The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to talk to you about rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. Do my written content over at rotoballer.com, and this podcast is a part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. So I want to let you know that uh, football season quickly approaching with you guys. Win big in 2021 with rotoballer.com's NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass and Draft Kit include rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off any premium pass. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub on the Bat Flip, episode 97. Two weeks left in the baseball season, a little less than two weeks now. So we'll go over to the week in fab, kind of give some thoughts for the following week. Lots of good listener questions, as usual, to get you going for this week of fantasy baseball. You can find myself on Twitter at BDNTrick and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, man? Uh, we're doing well, Bubba. I just got back yesterday um, from my annual baseball trip. Well, I guess it's not annual because we didn't do it last year, but um, got together with my some friends from college. Every year we go to different stadiums across baseball. And um, and this year we went, uh, we, we scheduled this like back in June, you know, before things kind of, before crap hit the fan again. Um, but uh, pretty much all of us made it there and had a really fun time. It was, it was great. You know, I was telling you before the show, the Texas, the new globe life field is not, I mean, I mean the no offense whatsoever to Rangers fans or the people of Dallas or for Fort Worth, the surrounding area, Arlington, <laughs> but that stadium is like nothing special. Like it's a very, 
you know, it's similar to a lot of modern stadiums in the sense that like every seat is a good seat, right? Every seat has a great view. There's nothing like obstructed or anything like that, but there's just no unique qualities that it has. Like from the outside, you know, when you're walking up actually from, from one of the directions, you have the old stadium, the Arlington stadium or stadium at Arlington on the left. It's got these beautiful brick facades, you know, those like early nineties, like just beautiful kind of iconic brick um, architecture. And then you walk past it and it's like this, silver glass conference center looking (laughs) stadium. And then you get in there and there's just like the coolest thing. And actually um, shout out to, um, uh, Oh gosh, I'm going to, I think it, I think his name is Derek. I want to say. And he goes at baseball yards um, on, on Twitter, Uh, big Liverpool fan. We exchange a lot of, uh, of Liverpool fandom and gifts, uh, in our, in our DMS, but, uh, shout out to him. He gave me the heads up that there are rocking chairs in, in uh, the bleachers at the back of the bleachers in one of the sections. And that was like kind of the coolest thing that we saw the whole time. Like the <laughs> food not, wasn't not like particularly good. Um, there just wasn't, I didn't meet my, like my brethren at the vegan place. They had a vegan place. And it was so funny because it was literally like tucked in the corner where like you had to go searching for it to find it. <laughs> and they had all my like veggie dogs and veggie burgers and, you know, stuff like that. So that was good. It was a fun time. I mean, we had a blast. We rented a place kind of out in the suburbs because we weren't going to go to the bars and things like that. And we um, and it had a pool. It had a hot tub. It had a game room with like shuffle bo- uh, shuffleboard and TV. So it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. But yeah, the, the Globe Life Field just didn't do it for me. Not very special, especially like after going to Minnesota was the last year and that was fantastic. We went to Cincinnati, which is such a beautiful park before that. You know, so it was just a little bit disappointing on that end, but it was it, we had an absolute blast. Sounds um, like, you know, sounds, sounds like Oco Coliseum might look better than this place. No, I mean, honestly, it had more character. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it seems like it might add more too. Well, like remember the postseason last year when they finally had fans at games and everything, they showed the overhead view of the place. It literally just looked like a silver, like tin, like a sardine can. Like there's yeah. nothing, nothing to it at sardine all. Sardine like, can is actually, I like that. I like that. The sardine yeah, can. It looked like, what? what is this place? Because at least, you know, in football they, in Vegas, they built the Death Star. It's got this like oblong shapes and it looks kind of cool. And, you know, SoFi Stadium in LA, like they, they're doing things with it. This place, like you said, it looked like a literally sardine can. Like you could peel yeah, the top right. off and called it a day. It was really weird, really weird. So good to and know. You got you gave, Jerry Dome right next to that, it, which, which is, is amazing. The like, best football whoa. stadium I've ever been to. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. So, like, not best by like ambiance. Like, there's other football stadiums, but best for fan experience. Like, it's freaking amazing. And um, the fact that they built that thing so close is pretty, pretty sad. So, yeah, yeah that's a shame, but you had fun. That's all that matters. Got to go see the boys. Watch the baseball. Exactly. It was great. That's all that matters. Great. And uh, two years. We, we get to do it again in like three weeks. So yeah. that, that's coming up right around the corner for first pitch Arizona. So we'll see how that goes. They still haven't announced what games are being played yet. So I'm still kind of like, are we doing this? Or are we not doing this? What's going on here? But uh, that's the world we live in these days. But what else we live in these days is fantasy baseball is coming down to the final stretch. And it's getting um, – Interesting to say the least, because we're short on budgets. We're playing guys that if you said even two months ago, let alone the beginning of the season that, hey, we're looking forward to rostering this person. You probably say, hey, I should just save my money. Um, there's a lot of interesting scenarios being taken place right now. 
But uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about some of the top added players across the NFBC, as we usually do, and give our thoughts there. A lot of it's going to be two-step guys, potential closer guys, just random stuff like that. And the first one added in 155 leagues, Eric Fede. He had two steps. He had the Marlins uh, to start the week, and I believe he had an okay matchup at the end of the week. I mean, I'm pulling that up now. I think but, he's uh, Cincinnati. He, yeah, that's a tough one. I think it's in Great American Small Park, too which uh, makes things a little bit more interesting. I think everybody wanted that uh, Marlin start, and it started out really well. Strikeouts were there and everything, and then they kind of got to him. Chisholm had a couple home runs. Marlins are pesky Marlins, to say the least. They were, they were doing some damage. Um, yeah, when you pull up the Miami Marlins here and Eric Fede's in Washington. But, yeah, it was a uh, not the ideal situation. So what were your thoughts on Fede? Because I put him in there as like a fifth or sixth option, and it is in Great American Small Park. I did not get him anywhere because I got my – options ahead of him but uh what were your thoughts on fede yeah you know i've been i've been asked to keep keep it down on this one by some some sources that will remain anonymous um but i was all over fede we talked about fede last year or last week and i was all over him he looks amazing um you know and and in the start that he had he gave up two earned runs but you know tons of errors as usual for the marlins in this one and he lost the, the they were up six three when he left, I want to say, or six four when he left the game. They went up seven four and then managed to somehow blow the game before even getting to Kyle Finnegan. You know, they didn't even get to Finnegan. Like just horrendous once again. I tweeted about how it just burned every every bullpen to the ground after that one. Um but, you know, he's been fantastic. Like, the end zone contact is slightly below league average still. The O swing is well above league average. The K rate is above league average. The swinging strike rate is above league average. The walk rate is super low. Um, so I, I won't go too crazy, you know, in honor of, of the request to keep it down on Fede, even though he's probably going to be my answer. I don't even know if it's Fede or Fede. I should know this. Um, I've, never, I've never watched him actually pitch. I think it's Fede. Fetty. I call him Fetty. I think it's Fetty. 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 Yeah, he, uh, I think he's really good. Well, good. We talked yeah, to... The pitch pitch mix change in the velo up, uptick. Um, we talked about him last week. It was yeah. like uh, the Mets got to him, but he pretty much pitched well, and he's, he's dominated the Marlins. So it's kind of like starting out going up. He's going to do it again, and then they kind of got to him a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, this, you got through the start you wanted. Now we'll see how the next one goes. That's where the fun really, really begins. Yeah. Uh, the sec- the second most added player in 147 leagues is your boy Chris Stratton. Um, somehow someone still had 100 bucks to use, so they added him in a right. league, which is pretty impressive. But uh, oh, he's been- can we talk about people who don't actively participate for a long time, and then they all of a sudden show up in the last couple of weeks, dropping massive fab bids? Yeah, 100 like- bucks. Like who has 100 bucks right now that actually has been playing? No one. I-, I had somebody show up you know, in, in a, in one of my leagues and did like the four highest bids. They were all like, you know, 35 to 55 bucks. And they were all over, you know, over bids by like 34 bucks, 34 (laughs) and 54 or whatever, you know, not, not like, I mean, honestly, like I'd rather have people show up and actually try, I guess, you know, I mean, it's harder for you as a player to, to be able to plan for that, but it's their right to show up and, and do that. But it's just kind of, just kind of funny when that stuff happens because people are like, oh, it's the last week of the season. I've got all this fab. I've got to, I got to burn. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Stratton, Stratton's actually looked super good. He's been um, awesome. Recently. Yeah, I mean, which is so 
annoying because I had him on one of my teams. Remember that day? I, I don't know if we were on the pod. Yeah, we were on air. We were on we air when he, he, he came in like in the seventh or something. And, saves. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I was looking at the best relievers over the last um, 30 days, I think. And Stratton is definitely among them. Um, and so, you know, and it's one of these things where I actually haven't dug that deeply into what he's been doing because it's just like, he's a, he's got a closing opportunity. And if he's got a closing opportunity, then he's going to be in my fab coin list. And so it's just a matter of, of kind of where, but so over his last 10 games, the end zone contact is down to 80.4%, which is terrific. We got the K rate at 38%, which is elite. Got the O swing at 33%. That swinging strike rate is at 16.7%. And the walk rate's all the way down at 8.9%. So around league average walk, but then just absolutely um, elite um, in other ways. I'm trying to see, like, did he have a fastball velocity increase? Yeah, he's had an an increase in velocity of about a half mile to a mile um, per hour from earlier on in the season. I'm going to guess he's probably throwing the fastball less. Yes. He's dropped his fastball usage 20% in the last 10 games. He's down at 34.4%. So, I mean, again, the like tried and true how to make yourself a better pitcher is exactly what he's doing. He's increasing the curve usage, which I'm assuming is probably his his best pitch. Is he does he also throw a change? He's increasing the change usage as well. So about 55% of his pitches are the changeup um, and the curveball, which are probably his best pitches, I'm going to guess. Yeah, which are generating um, changeup is at 19.6%, swinging strike rate, curveball at 12.8%. So, yeah, I mean, it's all it's all looking good for him. So you plug him in there, and, and he's the type of guy who can, you know, it's only two weeks, but, man, when you get a guy that has that level of skill that then gets an opportunity to get saves that's pretty pretty phenomenal for the end of the season so yeah and the pirates are playing some good ball surprisingly right now so he's he picked up a couple saves like a win last week lots of strikeouts so he's getting a lot of run at this point in time which is pretty crazy to think of but you you never know with certain teams when they go hot and and stratton's getting to take advantage of that in a big big way so obviously added in many leagues uh hundred dollar bid surprises makes me laugh um alex cobb was activated off the il last week through five strong innings against the White Sox in Chicago. So he was added in 116 leagues. Uh, coming into the week here, I believe he only had one step as I look at this. Yes, he places Houston tomorrow, Wednesday, and he faces at Texas next Wednesday. So those are his final two starts of the year. Thus, I wasn't super aggressive on Alex Cobb, but he was good before he got hurt. We saw some big improvements, some pitch mix changes with him. Came back, looks pretty decent against the White Sox. So, um, yeah, I can see the appeal, just not the ideal matchup for my scenario. And I was looking more two starts because I need rage, I need strikeouts and wins. So Cobb wasn't checking the box for me. Yeah, I mean, Cobb, like, I don't think there's any reason to assume he'll be all that different of a, diff- different of a pitcher than he was earlier in the season, which is a good pitcher. I mean, he was really good earlier this year. You know, I think the ERA was higher, but the whip was, or the whip was higher and the ERA stayed low. I can't remember which one it was, but. More than a strikeout per inning. He looked really good. That splitter looked really good. The Angels were having him throw it a lot. So, you know, if he can stay healthy next year, he's definitely a guy who can contribute. He was tough. It was tough to time the ad with him because you really didn't know. Even last week, you didn't know he was going to start that start until 
right beforehand. And it was against the White Sox too. So you weren't really, you didn't have super high hopes for it, honestly. Um, I think that might've been the start that was supposed to be Carlos Rodon's start. And yep. then they totally faded him last week, man. That That is just, I've been butchered by that. It was like, you missed the start because he wasn't supposed to start and he ended up starting. And then you missed the start because he doesn't start. And then he throws three innings yesterday and he's probably done for the year now. So, um, but Alex Cobb, yeah, I mean, solid, solid ad for the end of the season. These are the types of guy that it's great because a lot of times it's like, we're going to talk about some of the guys I added. I mean, I had Jake Rogers in some places today, right? Not the catcher, but like the guy or John Rogers or something like that, whoever he is, the guy on the Marlins who got the win today, I believe or the it's guy Josh. on the nationals, Josh, you know, whatever, Jay, J dot Rogers. All right. J dot Rogers. Um, I had him in there. Right. And you're just like, you're rolling the dice, right? You're just throwing it out there. You're hoping he does well, but a guy like Cobb, you actually have a history to look back on and you have skills that you can look at a little bit. So, um, but again, I didn't pick him up anywhere just because he was going like last week in a lot of the 15 teamers. And so I just didn't have him on my radar at that point, or I wasn't willing to spend some fab on a guy. I wasn't sure when he was going to come back. Yeah, no, I was out on Cobb, but uh, I think he's a good pitcher. It'll be a fun guy to kind of look at for next year as a later round target. Potentially, we shall see. Uh, the next most added player was Michael Fulmer, picked up in 105 leagues. We've we've done this ride with Fulmer all year long. It's like, okay, back from the IL, he's going to close. He does that. He gets blown up, gets hurt again, goes back to middle relief. Maybe he's an opener. Now he's closing. He's closing again. So that's where we're at now. He's saved two of the last three games. Uh, that there was sorry, two of his last three outings, he's recorded saves for the Tigers. But going deeper, he's only allowed two earned runs in his last 13 outings, which is 14 in the third innings, striking out 13 over that stretch, only walking four. He's looked really, really good in the back end of that bullpen. And, and for the most part, when he's had his best work this year, it's pitching in the back end of the bullpen. So he's got something there. We've seen like the velocity come up when he throws in the, in the, in the late innings. We'll see if that's where he translates in the future. might be a better scenario than going back to the rotation for him. But for now, similar to Stratton, people added him to get a save or two for the last few weeks, and that's pretty much the gist in my opinion. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, he was at the top of most of my closer fab list just because Stratton was gone. Um, but he's been, he's been, yeah, he's been, he's been fine. He's been, he's been good um, recently. I mean, the recent skills are really good. You know, he still can't really dominate in the zone, but he's getting 42% O swing over his last 10. Strikeout rate at 26%. Swing and strike at 16. Walk all the way down at 5%. So, yeah, I was really interested in him. He got the save. I was a little bummed when Lang got the save yesterday. I wonder if they're just not going to throw Fulmer back-to-back at all. I'd be surprised um, if they did. Yeah. So, um, but, I mean, he he got the save today, you know, so you're you're hoping you get one more save this week. That would be fantastic. But, the Tigers, man, the Tigers have turned into a pretty good team. And yep. really, like when you look at the blueprint, they've got the young pitching, which is coming in droves. Yeah, more really to, more to come too. Exactly. And then what they're lacking is those uh, those big bats offensively. I mean, they've got their role player. Like they've got the Robbie Grossmans, you know, those kind of solid guys. They're, they're Jamer Heimer Candelario who like, you know, again, isn't going to like – rule the world or anything like that, but he's, he's solid bat. And then you have um, green coming up and Torkelson coming up now. I mean, fast forward two or three years and the tigers could be really a lot of really money good. too. A lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So they're building it right. There's a few teams. I mean, there's these guys, there's the Mariners, there's the giants like that are all kind of 
getting there. And in a couple of years, it's going to be super competitive for those teams. Yep. So kudos to the Tigers. I mean, they've just been phenomenal. Last week, they, I think they, last week they had, they might have had eight games or seven games or something like that against the Rays and the White Sox, I think, or something like that, or, you know, Rays and Blue Jays, I think maybe. And they won like six games or something like that. Like just excellent ball. It's really nice to see that. Yep. They're balling out. The young kids are having some fun. So it's good. Good to see for sure. Uh, next player on the list here, Lane Thomas added in 92 leagues. I was honestly shocked to see he's available in 92 I, leagues. I love to, love to be in those doing? leagues. Like I, I know we talked about him a lot. I've written about like, him. This is like four straight weeks. Yeah. I, I write an outfield waiver wire column every week. I try not to write the same players each time to be different. So I've written about him like every other week for well over like six weeks now because he's always low owned. He's still low owned in like Yahoo leagues. He's hit 300 in the month of September with six home runs, 11 extra base hits. He's walking 12% of the time. He scored 19 runs, driven in 17. He gets, he had one steal, so he doesn't steal a ton of bags, but he stuffs every stat column you can think of leading off for the nationals. And honestly, he might be a little above his skis, but a 321 BABIP's not crazy. Like sure. It come down, but it's not like a 450 BABIP or something that's going through the roof. Um, his hard hit skills are, are really, really good. There's there's probably some regression to be, to take place, sure. But overall, a lot of this I see being quite legit right now. And it's going to be interesting to see going next year. Like Maybe he's a 280 hitter or a 275 hitter instead of 300. But I think it's very feasible. Hits you 20 to 25 home runs. Steals you 10, 15 bases leading off for the uh, the Nats. I, this is, I was shocked he was out there in 92 leagues. Yeah. And, I mean, this, today he had another stolen base. Um, you know, he's, he, it's interesting. He's, he reminds me a little bit of, um, Rafael Ortega on the Cubs. These guys who, you know, Ortega is much older. Thomas is a little bit older, but just these guys who kind of come up and they're only supposed to be there for a little bit, but they kind of work themselves into a pretty consistent role with their play. And if you look at the underlying skills, they're all pretty solid. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the Babbitt's reasonable at 303, right? He's hitting 247, but again, with a 14% walk rate, like they'll take that out of the leadoff spot. What's his OBP? His OBP is 353. That's great. He's making contact. Like we keep on talking about it and he looks really good. Even the stat cast metrics, the barrel rate, 10 barrels, 7.8% barrel rate, 90.5% exit, uh, overall average exit velo, max exit velo, hardest ball he's hit is was this year at 109 which isn't great but for a leadoff hitter and a guy with his profile isn't too bad at all so it'll be interesting to see what they do i mean he's probably not a long-term guy but he could he definitely has has inserted himself into the competition i think for next year yeah no doubt about it and the nats i think they might be rebuilding for a little bit longer so i think uh i wouldn't be shocked if he gets at least one more year of run out there before they really start to do things and you never know they might run him out there and then trade him so he's a very interesting option going into the next season. Uh, next up on the list, Gavin Lux, a guy that most of us, at least myself, gave up on for the year. Thought, oh, he just doesn't have it. Playing time won't be there. Production is not there. AJ Pollock gets hurt. Lux starts playing every day in the outfield and left field. And he has been quite productive over the last seven games, hitting safely in six of seven with three extra base hits. He's walking 11.5% of the time while he's striking out only 11.5% of the time. Numbers that are unsustainable, if you look at the whole uh, – gamut of things but bottom line is he's being quite productive he had coors field on the docket this week and he's playing every day in a very powerful offense so hey run him out there while you can this is one of those kind of hidden gems we know how good he can be 
you can get a two-week run of Gavin Lux that we were all hoping for this year. That's a monster late in it, late season ad. Yeah, absolutely. And he's one of these guys. I mean, you see it happening with Kelnick again as well, where you know they had all the hype, they came up, they really struggled, and now they're starting to heat up a little bit towards the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how much of the end of the season recency bias, how much that factors into the the, the draft cost next year. Because yeah, both of these guys, you know, just run them out there right now. Like with with locks, I mean, yeah, he's playing every day. They've got cores, like everything lines up really well. I think I was fortunate to get him in one league. So. It was the perfect storm. And if he can just, you know, do it for the rest of the, the next week and a half, it's gonna be monstrous. So that's a really strong one. And like you said, it's gonna tip his draft stock in a really interesting way uh, going forward. John Lester was the next most popular added player. In 87 Man. leagues, and this was because he had two steps, and I will give him this much credit because I am one of the first to clown on John Lester with the best of them. First two start with, starts with the Cardinals, five innings, eight, uh, six runs, five and a third, five runs. Since then, it's been two run runs or less in all but one start. That's two, four, six, eight starts. So seven of eight, two run runs or less. Strikeouts aren't a thing for him very much, but he's picked up four wins over those eight starts. He's been quite effective overall. The ratios aren't through the roof. They're kind of manageable. They're like, heck, they're better than a quality start. If, if you look at the grand scheme of things, they're better than a 4-5 or five ERA. Just no strikeouts. But everything else he's doing just fine. I even picked him up in multiple leagues. I was worried when he gave up two early home runs to Milwaukee. He only struck out two, but he went six strong, got the win. I'm looking for wins and strikeouts, got one of the two. And um, he's got a nice matchup to finish out the week. Milwaukee was the one that really, really scared me because the way they're hitting – he gets at the Cubs, which is hit and miss, but I prefer lefties versus the Cubs compared to righties right now. With, uh, the situation still, you never know what Wrigley Field could be wind blowing out on a Friday afternoon, and, and it doesn't matter. But uh, I even took a chance on John Lester this week because that's the situation I was in. So far, so good. Next week when we talk, I could be saying F John Lester again like I, I do many times, so we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But that's the thought process. There are two starts, and he's been he's been better than I was giving him credit for when I dug in on him about a week ago. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, when you look at what he's done since he moved over to the Cardinals, they've they've had him throw very differently. Um, he's throwing his four seam a ton less. Wait, real quick. The- I wonder if it really. I wonder if it was the team or it was Yadier, because that's a genius catcher back there. Like, if anybody could figure it out, Molina's a guy. I mean, look that, at what Rain, Wainwright's doing back there. That's what I'm saying. Year. I wonder if it's the, it, I wonder if it's a team thing. So this is why I ask. Like, you know, the Indians and these guys. So is it a team thing? So like, any pitcher that comes over, we should look at, or any young pitcher in the system, uh, or yeah, was yeah. it Yacht, or was it Molina going? Hey, you're an older guy. Uh, let's talk about this. I can figure. I, I faced you so many times. Let me tell you what we can fix. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know, but whatever they did, they definitely they definitely changed it up. And the skills have improved dramatically. I mean, you mentioned the K's aren't there, but, you know, in-zone contact is way down. O-swing is way up. Swinging strike rate is way up as well. Um, so what he's doing is he's throwing his four-seam fastball a lot less. So over the last five games, so in the five games leading up to August 25th, so right before the deadline, um, uh, or not right before the deadline. Is that right before the deadline? August 3rd was his first start post-deadline with the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. So in the five games leading up to that, he was throwing his four-seam 35.1% of the time. And now he's down at 18.6% of the time. He's throwing his sinker more, which I think is probably, it's up, it's up about 
from 16 to 25. So about 9%. And then he's throwing his cutter more as well. I wonder just based on the profile, if they're like, Hey, look, I'm not trying to strike guys out. We're just trying to create weak contact, make it so guys can't barrel it up. He's also playing in St. Louis, which is a dream park for pitcher. So, Hey, I mean, you know, he's fine. Like again, the known quantity, you kind of know what you're getting. And, and right now that seems to be a very mediocre guy, which is not necessarily bad on a St. Louis team that can't seem to do anything wrong right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, he gets the Cubs to finish this week and he gets home versus the Cubs next week, like mm-hmm. on the grand scheme of things. Cause also a lot of the moves made this week for most might've finished your budget. So whatever you're picking up this week is your finishing situation. So that was also like where I ranked guys. That's why I had Lester towards the top going, okay, if worse comes to worse, I get one start versus the Cubs next week compared mm. to certain guys like going into Yankee Stadium or something else. So there's a long game to the whole situation. There's probably one of the more stressful small bid weekends I've had because I didn't have a lot of money to spend, but it's like I have to maximize the situation, and this is what it was. So that was the other thought process in getting John Lester. All right, another fun one here. You got Jose Siri added in 85 leagues as high. Someone had $99 again. I'm never going to get sick of seeing this. But Siri has been something special. I know like people in prospect circles know who Siri was. Like It's just another embarrassment of riches in the outfield that Houston has. But he got he's gotten the call, and he's been really, really productive. If you dig deep in his numbers, lots of power when he's coming for the bigs, the ice goes through the rib, like stuff that's not sustainable. But he's got four home runs already. In his short time starting, he's striking out 37% of the time. Definitely not ideal there. But young kid, we've seen this with guys like Steven Duggar. Then he gets sent down. He's come back. He's hitting again. I just want him for the last two weeks. I don't care what his strikeout rate is right now. So I think he's a great ad. It was weird, though. He let off on Monday, hit a home run. But then on Tuesday, in a nice matchup versus a lefty, he's batting seventh. So who knows what they're going to do, but they're playing him every day, it looks like, bottom line. So Astros have some good matchups, too. Yeah, not not much to add. Yeah, it's a great week. I do have a story about Jose Siri and yesterday. So <laughs> yesterday I come back from the airport. I get in and I'm in my I'm in my car. I'm about to drive home. I'm in long term parking. And before I hit the road, I, I check my lineups. You know, just to see like okay, well, the lineups are coming in, and I'm checking them to make sure my guys are in the lineups. You know, matching them, so on and so forth. Well, I picked up Jose Siri in one of my. Um, in one of my main events, one of my tight main events where I'm in a battle for third place and cashing right now. Um, and so I picked him up and I look at the lineup and I'm looking over it. I'm looking over it. I don't see Jose Siri. So I take him out of my lineup. Oh no. Oh no. And then I, and then later in the day, it's like Jose Siri lead off home run. Oh no. And I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? I was like, he wasn't in the lineup. And I scroll back to the lineups and he was in the lineup. And I think what happened is Jose Altuve is always there. Yep. So I think I was looking for him in the back end of the lineup. And I probably saw Tucker was the DH. So I probably saw McCormick, Myers, yep. you know, and, and whatever. And I just, I totally blew it. And so I missed out on that home run because I just, you know, and those things happen. Like when you got a ton oh, of yeah. leagues and like, and you're trying to scroll through them and you're rushed and whatever. But I was just like, oh, and I need home runs. Thankfully, I got two from Machado today. No no offense, Bubba, at all. No, I watched um, him hit the second while we recording. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, that was a little bit of a bummer. A little Jose Siri story for, for you there. 
Yeah, no, he's been sneaky good, and I've been DFS playing him because he's $2,000 every day. He's the dirt minimum, so it's been mm-hmm. a glorious thing. But people are starting to catch on finally. He was like unowned, and today he was 20%. So people are starting to figure it out, unfortunately. But it was fun while it lasted. Uh, and the speed back, is great. I mean, yeah, whatever, it's just the plate discipline. Less than 100 plate appearances. The plate discipline is a lot to be no, desired. Yeah. But he's, again, he's young. He's 26. They're going to work with him. I'm not worried about that. Just it's, The whole picture is like, I got like eight games, nine games of you. Just for, just focus for eight or nine games. I don't care about the big picture anymore. So um, I'm pretty intrigued with what he has to offer. Tony Gonsolin, talking about focusing on the big picture. I think I clowned on him like two episodes ago or something, or probably multiple times. Like I've been anti-Tony Gonsolin. Well, since then, he went five innings, two starts ago, got six Ks. Last start, though, two and a third, three earned, two Ks. It's okay. all over the board with him. It's What's up? I feel better that he pitched poorly. Yeah, it's all over the board. Uh, he was added in 84 leagues for as high as $53. The thing is, we see we saw him go deep, which is interesting, but he's still kind of on this rocky, rocky road. Last game was in Cincinnati, so maybe. And he faces um, a good matchup this week. He has at Arizona. That's a, a juicy one for sure. And the next week's still up in the air. I think they're going to move things around because they're like skipping a start because of short rest or with the off days. So he might be facing San Diego or he might face Milwaukee. And if it's Milwaukee, well, They've locked up the two seeds, so they might not be playing anybody. So that could be an interesting spot. So those are his final two starts. Any thoughts on Gonsolin? We've kind of talked about him quite a bit. Yeah, we talked about him before, you know, whatever. A lot of wasted fab dollars and draft capital on that guy. Yeah. All right, let's go to your boy, Jay Rogers. Josh Rogers. Jay Rogers. Just Jay. He just Just goes by Jay. I don't know if you know that. Jay Rogers. I haven't figured that one out yet, but the weird thing is, is even – Rotowire has not adjusted their logs for him because he put, oh no, it's right. Oh, because he's on Washington. I'm a dumb dumb. Because said Tyler Rogers. I'm like, that's not yeah. right. Josh Rogers faced at Miami today. He gets at Cincinnati on Sunday. And then next week, potentially versus Boston. So you were hoping for the Miami start. All right, but the uh, and that went okay. Went okay. I'll say that much. He picked up an 84 leagues as high as 33 bucks. When you're looking at uh, Mr. Rogers here, he went uh, he went seven and two thirds today. Five hits, one run, four Ks. That's not too shabby. So you should be pretty proud of that one. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you flip a coin and it ends up on heads, and sometimes you flip a coin and it ends up on tails. There's no analysis here whatsoever. He's a two start pitcher with decent matchups. Um, he's a lefty. Um. That's what I can tell you. He's he below average across like skill categories. <laughs> yep. He's struggled mightily and gives up like three home runs per nine in his major league career. Yeah, I was looking but, at his numbers. I was like, where's he gonna go with this? Because this is yeah. an interesting profile. Oh, man, I mean, <laughs> I actually I'm in a 20 team dynasty league and I'm and it's a battle royale to finish it off. There's three of us that are at like like one we were all at like one within like a half a point as of earlier this morning, like 173 or, you know, something like that in a 20 team dynasty. And I picked him up on the waiver wire and I just couldn't pull the trigger in my 20 team dynasty because ERA is important, you know, um, in that one ERA and whip. And I ended up going with Dylan Peters and now I'm like, should have gone with J dot Rogers, you know, sometimes you hit it like you did last week with Dylan Peters. And sometimes you just don't. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some of the moves we made this week. Because looking at the rest of the list, it's a lot of guys that we talked about a lot lately. So let's uh, let's talk about who we picked up this week to get ready for the stretch run. All right, let's do it. 
Oh man, what a week. It felt like a, it was a tough fab week, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. There was not a lot out there, but you had to make a lot out of a little bit. So uh, added Gavin Sheets, uh, dropped Bobby Witt Jr., um, had held on to Bobby Witt Jr. for a while, just hoping because just the team that, that I, ha- I had in this instance, with it, which I share, um, you know, we needed speed, we needed power, and, and we we're just waiting for him. But we gave up. Sheets has been playing um, regularly with uh, Andrew Vaughn on the IL. I know Vaughn's supposed to come back relatively soon, I think, but Sheets has played well. He's he's in there every single day. He played again today. I know he got at least one hit. So uh, that was that was that. Added Jake Myers, dropped Nick Gordon. The challenge with Gordon, I actually love Gordon. Uh, you know, he had a home run today. He's been stealing bases, but he only plays against righties, really. Yep. And and that was four games this week for the Twins. So I had to let go of him. I added Jay Rogers. I dropped Sean Nolan, who is who Jay Rod dot Rogers. Um, replaced in the rotation, and I got a win out of that one, which is really nice. Uh, Yandy Diaz added Yandy Diaz, dropped Jack Mayfield for third base, and Yandy Diaz uh, hit a bomb yesterday and, and mm-hmm. has been pretty good recently, playing nearly every day, not today. Um, in a league where I'm really just looking for ratios and saves, um, and then I'm looking for stolen bases, I added Tyler Rogers. Um, dropped Garrett Whitlock because of the injury and because he wasn't the closer anymore, or I don't know if he was ever the closer. Uh, added Nico Goodrum, dropped John Means. Again, this is only because in this league I'm I'm up 80 strikeouts and 10 wins on the rest of the of the league. So I just really don't need to throw anybody who's re- remotely questionable. I have Robbie Ray, Carlos Rodon, Ranger Suarez, guys like that in that lineup. I actually lost Shane Bieber in that. Um, in that team as well. Uh, but uh, added Nico Goodrum, who I ended up not starting because he wasn't in the lineup on Monday, gets the stolen base, the RBI two for four today. But thankfully I added, I put uh, Ortega in the lineup for him and Ortega has, I think three hits today. And, yeah, and a stolen base. Yeah, at least one run and he stole that base. That really made me feel good. As did Nico Horner, who I added in a few spots as well. Um, and then added Nico Horner, dropped Sean Manaya Again, Sean Manaya being dropped just because I don't need starting pitchers that are questionable. Um, at all. Um, for some main events, added Michael Fulmer, dropped Gregory Soto because of the injury, added Tyler Cripper, Clippard, dropped Zach Granke. Man, Zach Granke has been bad. Mm-hmm. Really bad. Really bad. Thankfully, I haven't had him in all my leagues all season long, but oh, he was, he was so good at the All-Star break. You know, exactly what you were hoping for, but it's just been really bad. And I think it's because like, his K's have dropped so tremendously that it's like, he's not striking out enough guys. Like there's just too many balls in play. It's just too dangerous at this point, unless he finds a way to, to drop those down. Yep, I stack against him every day. I'm, every time he's on, the, on my really? show, I say, wow. I say to six, I'm, I'll keep doing it. Cause it's like every two out of three times he gets shelled because he's yeah. not striking guys out. It's ridiculous. Totally. Um, added Nico Goodrum dropped um, Tyler Naquin. Um, added Michael Fulmer, dropped Garrett Whitlock, added Eddie, the Eagle, Rosario. He's balling out. McNeil. I mean, Eddie hit a bomb yesterday. I didn't even do a gift. That's how sad of a season it's been for Eddie. He's going to finish strong. He's going to finish strong just to suck you back in for next year. I hope he resigns so badly with the Braves. Great spot for him. Oh, Oh, my goodness. such a great spot for him. Um, added Yadiel Hernandez, dropped Gregory Soto, again, because of the injury. Um, 
Hernandez has been playing every day, at least against righties and, um, and the, the Nats have seven games this week. Um, this is my favorite league because I only have a few dollars left. And so every single week it's like four bids for $1 and see who <laughs> I get but every week. It works out well. Uh, $1 bid added Luis Renjifo dropped Taylor walls just because walls was, he was sick and I didn't know when he was going to come back. And Renjifo has seven games and has been playing every day. Added Jake, uh, Gavin sheets dropped Jake McGee because of the injury. Added Michael Fulmer, dropped Pete Fairbanks. Um, added Lewin Diaz, dropped Nick Gordon. In this one, I'm looking for some pop. I like that. There. Um, in my really tight one, I added Mike Moustakas and draft, dropped Gregory Soto to play middle infield. Um, I don't know if this was my like brightest move, just because Moustakas is a, pretty clearly a um, uh, just a, a, a platoon. But they have seven games. He's going to play two this first half of the week, and I think he gets three on the weekend. And so I'm hoping that he hits it hits a few home runs there. Um, added Jose Siri, did not put him in the lineup. Uh, dropped Jack Mayfield. Added Dylan Peters. Dropped Edward Cabrera, who finally decided to strike guys out but couldn't even get out of the yeah. fourth inning. Uh, added in TGFBI, added Tyler Clipper. Dropped Gregory Soto. Um, in some of my OCs, there was some action. Added uh, Garrett Hampson, dropped Paolo Espino after his start last week, um, and then added Dylan Peters and dropped Michael Givens. In this particular league, I have no reason to go with saves anymore. I'm just like in no man's land, like I can't go up or down. So it's all about uh, Ks, wins, volume um, at this point in time. So that's why I dropped Givens. He's clearly the closer in the, with the Reds, or at least as much as the Reds make people their closer. Um, is so annoying, isn't it? When like a team's up three and they score that fourth run, yeah, you know, like worst. today when the Reds score that or yesterday when they score that ninth run bastards, uh, added Michael Fulmer, dropped Drew Steckenrider, added Shane McClanahan, dropped Garrett Whitlock. I was the one who dropped Shane McClanahan last week, <laughs> added DJ Peters, dropped Rafael Ortega, uh, added Nico Horner, dropped Nick Solak. This is in a league where I need batting average and power. And then finally, in a league where all I need is really stolen bases and saves, I added Andrew Critchridge, who quickly went on the IL um, the next day for Paulo Espino, added Michael Former, dropped Paul Sewold, who got his first save in a month, and then yeah. added Chris Stratton and dropped uh, Zach Granke in that one, added Tyler Rogers, dropped Jorge Mateo, added Jose Siri, dropped Michael Brantley, added Andrew uh, Andres Jimenez, and dropped Luis Garcia, because I just need, I need those stolen bases. Yeah, the Sewell one's fun because I think I benched him most places except like one league. I'm like, okay, well, I got one save, but all those other ones are at to suffer for the last few weeks. That stings, but uh, so is life. Yeah. Um, in my world, TGFBI, I grabbed Dylan Peters for two bucks, dropped James Caprillion. Uh, Peters was looking so good in two and two thirds yesterday, yeah. and then pff, it unloaded on him. So that was frustrating, but we'll keep using him in the in the two step we have. Added Yoshi Tsugo for a buck. Dropped Jesus Aguilar. Very pumped on that home run yesterday. Pinch hit two uh, red doubles Tsugo's today. Tsugo's been great. He's been awesome. I've, I was telling someone, they're like, oh, it must be nice to have to wait till now to add him. I said, no, I put bids in on him every week. Just wasn't my primary bids. I got lucky elsewhere, but now I needed him. So here we are. Uh, added John Lester. Dropped Glenn Otto. And then I added Taylor Hearn. Dropped Jackson Coart. Did not pitch Taylor Hearn because when I added him, he was supposed to pitch tomorrow against Baltimore. And now he's pitching – I mean, went Thursday. Now he's pitching tomorrow against the Yankees. So he's not starting for me this week because, as you've probably noticed as well, Toby, 
these rotations are changing every day right now. Like it's ridiculous the, the changes that are made. So I, I I thought the idea a lefty versus Baltimore. They've been carving up Baltimore right now. Sweet, give me the strikeouts I need. Hearn's been good for that. And now he gets Yankees, so he gets to sit on my bench. And maybe we'll use him next week against the Angels because the Angels are atrocious versus lefties if he still faces the Angels. We'll wait and see there. But uh, at least he's got a backup plan if worse comes to worse. Uh, but it's still just a buck, so we'll see how that goes. A few other ones here at my OC. That's just, just been a roller coaster of emotions. Didn't get anybody because I'm out of money there, so that one's fun. Um, Why my satellite league, uh, Dylan Peters got him, dropped Jake McGee, who went to the IL. Crab Tony Gonsolin because I'm like, give me a guy that can get strikeouts maybe. And they got some great matchups, but we'll see. Grab John Lester. Then I grabbed Jose Iglesias because Jorge Mateo went on the 60-day IL. So I'll take that one. All pretty much dollar to $2 bids. And then last but not least, uh, added Bobby Bradley, dropped Seth Beer. So I had Bradley in two leagues, and Bradley went deep on Monday, oh, sat on Tuesday. He's got nine games this week. Yep, that was the big reason. He was the, the top of my corner infield looks there because that nine-game schedule. Uh, added Dylan Peters, added John Lester, dropped Luis Patino, dropped Yusei Kikuchi. So I pretty much grabbed I, – I tweeted about it too. I said, well, looks like I'm a big Dylan Peters and John Lester fan this week because I have him everywhere, so – Yesterday was a wild ride, and the end of the week will be a wild ride as well when we see how that all comes to a probably crashing end. But um, let's talk listener questions as we had a, a bunch this week, which is great to see. The more the merrier. We prefer lots and lots of listener questions, and some of these are fun, tongue-in-cheek. And, of course, we'll start with our buddy Yancey. If things hold and he finishes top 10 overall in the second chance league on an NPC, will Toby finally be proud of me? Is that Please. Yancey who asked that? Yeah, Yancey asked if you'd be proud of him if you finally because he's 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 in the top ten of the second chance leagues right now. I'm proud of Yancey, um, just in general. I mean, I think Yancey's a great human being. He's an amazing and human being. Yes, he's awesome. So he already has my um, my respect and all good things to Yancey. Um, he's fantastic. Every time I read a book, Bubba, which Maybe is with Yancey. increasing frequency. Um, I think of Yancey. That's a good thing to do. Um, I, yeah, I told Yancey books are on my uh, non-baseball season schedule because I can't. I have no time to read right now. So that's on the that's on the postseason schedule. But Jeff Zimmerman asks, what are you going to do with your schedule once you have Sundays available again? Um, going back to that Yancey thing too. I mean, Yancey's a really good player. I don't. I don't know if mm-hmm. people realize that. Like, he used to have a podcast before I even knew what Twitter was. The dude, yeah, like he, like a big time podcast with some people that are smart. Yeah. He, he competes in like TGFBI every single year. I know, I think he's in Rob DiPietro's league this year. So it's a little bit of a challenge in terms of winning it, but he's always in competition. Um, he's winning a lot of leagues. He's, he's great. He's a fantastic baseball player. So I, I already respect him as a fantasy player. And I also respect him as a human being, which I think is more important than as a fantasy player, but uh, Most I'll do definitely. Um, Sundays, honestly, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the season being over. I overextend myself. It has, um, you know, it's just like anything, like there are enjoyable parts and not enjoyable parts, but fab just rules my weekends. Um, and it's not Sundays. It's mostly Saturday nights and then trying to do things with the family on Sunday and always having to be close to my phone or close to a computer and trying to keep up with it. It just sucks. So I, I need an accountability check from the community. So if you hear me saying that I'm going to enter a bunch of fab leagues next year, Part of it is that it's difficult because there are leagues that I like am in that I love that I can't really get out of. So it's like uh, barf. I love it's a fab league. 
you know, I'm in my my well, the good thing twenty is, team dynasty league. I'm in the good, the good thing, every year. The good thing Barf's going to change a little next year, so you're going to be happy about that. Is it really? Is going to go? Well, we, we talked about it in the chat that you you disappeared from. So oh, I know. I I just I couldn't keep track of. That I know. Show. I got you, but I, I'll fill you in I after know. the show. I hope everybody understands. No, no, that's fine. I'll fill you in after the show, but some things for the good. Oh, I hope it's going to NFBC. Is it? Yeah. Good. Good. I love that. That's great yep. news. I wish yeah. I had stayed in the chat. We had a lot of um, a, lot, a lot of back and forth in that chat trying okay. to talk about things. So it was good. But yeah, I mean, I, I I'm still gonna have a lot of leagues because I love fantasy. Oh baseball. yeah, because you have to. Yeah, like the draft. Having we all like a the draft. Reasonable amount, people. <laughs> having yeah. a reasonable amount. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go from. I'm gonna still do two high stakes ones. I'm gonna do three mains. I'm just gonna do one online championship. So that'll cut three leagues off from this year. Um, and I feel like that'll be a lot more manageable next year. That's about another so, extra 45 minutes of sleep for Toby. Jeff, I'm going to hang out with my, my family and that's what I'm going to be doing on Sundays. It's going to be great. And I, I know I get into football and DFS, DFS and football. Uh, hey, Jeff, stuff. don't let him fool you. Basketball starts in like um, three weeks. So I'm he'll just going to do DFS and basketball. Yeah, but <laughs> every night, baby. Every night. Dude. All right. Uh, JB at beat Rick and Frank asks, Based on injuries and overachievement, what is what is real and what isn't? Who is better, Jazz or Nicky Lopez? Who should break out next? To, Jesus, how many questions do we have here? Um, I don't even know. So, who who do you like better next season, Jazz Chisholm or Nicky Lopez? I'll take Jazz Chisholm. Yeah, I would go with Jazz Chisholm as well, just because, like, I mean, Jazz Chisholm has 450 plate appearances and he has 17 home runs and 22 stolen bases. Yeah. You know, with a reasonable batting average, reasonable. I mean, the BABIP's a little high, but just the way, just his his speed and everything. I mean, I think Chaz, Chaz Chisholm is already a very good player, and I think he's only going to get better. Um, and yeah, the injuries suck, but if you get 17 and 22 out of him, yeah, and then you replace it, you know, with uh, other people during that time, I mean, it's still beautiful. But that is to say, I mean, I think that the one thing about Nicky Lopez is, you know, he's stealing a crap ton. Like last year he had 192 plate appearances and he didn't have a single stolen base. So the batting average and the stolen base combo is incredibly valuable. And with the home run landscape changing um, pretty dramatically, like he's definitely somebody who's on my radar for next year as a guy that you can kind of, you can kind of work the matchups and stuff, especially with second base and shortstop eligibility. I do think he's playing a little bit over his head in terms of BABIP. Um, for Nicky Lopez is BABIP is 354 and career, excuse me, is 308 uh, over about 1100 plate appearances. So I think the batting average is a little higher than it probably will end up being. He hits a ton of ground balls, you know, no power really to speak of, you know, although he does have three barrels and he does have a max exit below of around 108 miles per hour. So maybe that's an area where he could grow a little bit because he does have the bat to ball. But um, I would go Jazz Chisholm easily over him. Yeah. yeah, easy for me. Like I love what Jazz can do to stay healthy, and he'll put up. He's got like twenty twenty potential for me. Maybe I'm overthinking Jazz Chisholm, but I think he's got the legit tools he's to at be someone. Seventeen twenty two. He could literally go twenty twenty. Oh, this year. with all the injuries, so he could be a poor man's Bobachet. To put it that way. And yeah, he's twenty three. Right. Yeah, so uh, like, he's going to get better. Like the tools are there. 
I don't, his, the biggest concern with him is the average. He's never really been a great average guy, it seems like. But still, he's young. That could develop, too. Like, that's something. But for me, in this area where average doesn't exist anyways, just give me the steals and the and the, the power. And then you go pick a, a guy like Nicky Lopez later or something if you want. I don't care. But um, I think Jazz Chisholm is one of those guys that I think as we see getting closer to draft season and, like, the, the higher money leagues, you're going to see him going higher and higher in drafts. People start realizing, oh, wait, I get this power-speed combo here. This seems pretty awesome. So that seems like something that he's going to showcase. I, I'll never forget when I got him in my 12-team OC off the waiver wire, like in week three or four for like 26 bucks. I was like, this is the mm. best thing ever. And I've just injuries and no injuries. He's been on my roster. I've have hung out. So it's been fun. Um, he had like a fourth, fifth round pick probably. Yeah. Well, at least I think he'll definitely come climbing up there for sure. Uh, he had a bunch of different questions for a lot of next year stuff. But the one I will ask here is um, what do you think about Nelson Cruz for next year? Like this year he's hitting 271, 31 homers, even got three steals. But to me, it's pretty much just another Nelson Cruz season. He might finish with, you know, a little fewer homers than than usual, but still, I think not too bad. He played in two different teams. Uh, he is forty one years old. I think he's going to be a good player. Maybe falls a round or two in drafts, but I think he still has thirty plus home run upside until he proves me otherwise. That's me. But he's an old guy that has util only, pretty much. So you know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. He's fine. He's, yeah. I mean, I think you you kind of treat him like he, like you, like you have in the past. I guess. Yeah. Um, just like knock him back a couple rounds in expectations and see what happens. We might yeah. Let me just see if there's been any like drop off because I know we like his contact off. skills aren't great and his swinging strikes kind of you know thirteen or fourteen percent. He's not as elite as he once was, but you look at the contact, the barrel rates, the hard hit rates. It's all pretty darning outstanding stuff to me, at least. But. He's getting older. There's going to be some drop-offs for sure, and eventually it's going to all drop off, but he's proven us wrong so far. Yeah, for sure. So. All right. TN, at Bro Named Thunder, asks, long-time listener, I have a keeper question. Can you talk about the keeper values and ranks of the following for 2022? So there's one, two, three, four, five, six guys, Toby. So if you have a patent paper, be ready. No, it's good. Um, rank these six in a keeper league. Mike Soroka. Tony Gonsolin, Domingo Herman, Alex Cobb, Adbert Alzale, and Davy Garcia. Gonsolin would be my one. Mm-hmm. My number two would be Alzale. Mm-hmm. My number three would be I don't know if that's fair. I'm leaning maybe... I'm leaning Devi, but it's tough. Yeah, I'm like it's, they, it's Herman or Debbie like for me. Davy Herman, like Soroka. I mean, I don't want to be I don't nothing at all for I him for me. I don't want yeah, I was gonna put him as the last one. Easily. And then who else am I missing? I'm missing um him. Alex Cobb. He's he's just older, so he goes towards the back Cobb, too. Yeah, I mean I I would I might actually how old is he though? Is he it's gotta be at least 30, late twenties? I, I would have guessed like thirty two or thirty three, but he'll probably be like twenty seven just to shut me up. Right. He's 33. He's almost yeah, 34. So yeah. I figured we've been talking about him for I years mean, now. Honestly. He's probably the best pitcher out of that group for next year. Honestly, I'd, I'd probably have Cobb next because I think you can use him next year. I'm not convinced that Herman or David Maybe. Garcia are going to be something. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I think Gonsolin yeah. Yeah. Gons- and Alzale for sure would be the top two. I'm with that. 
if you want to go cough, because at least you'd use them for the next couple of years potentially, and then move on. And then I think I think Davy out of Davy and her and Herman, to me it feels like Davy's got the higher potential, but they're both like one miss up away from being back to the minor leagues, maybe never seeing them again. So like it's weird because the Yankees haven't really trusted Davy either. So there might be something there we're not seeing, which is weird. And then I won't touch Soroka. Like you said, he's between the Achilles and the other injuries, he's got to prove a lot to me to make that happen. Yeah, like D- Davey's got a 683 ERA in AAA this year. It's weird because the stuff's electric. And before he got his first call up, what, last year, he was crushing everything. And then yeah. since then, he just has not figured it out at all. It's been weird. It's interesting, big-time control issues, which have always been an issue for him. Yeah. Surprisingly, it seems like the only time it wasn't was early in his minor league career and then at, at the big league club last year. So maybe he changes yeah, scenery in order. Herman above him just because Herman is at least somewhat useful and he doesn't really walk guys, which is good. He has a decent team on his walk, but he, we now have like four straight seasons of a 1.8 home runs per nine out of him, which just isn't. We need we need like an elite pitching team like the Indians or the Astros or the Rays who the Yankees probably wouldn't trade with anyways to go trade for Davey Garcia. Like get get with a team that can work with him and get his stuff controlled because the stuff's never been the issue. So that'll be interesting for sure. Um, he has another question though. Also, if you could speak on the keeper value ranks for these guys, he has a few bats to talk about. Nico Horner, Andres Jimenez, Nick Madrigal, Dylan Moore. Bobby Dahlbeck, Keston Hira, Ahmed Rosario, Tapia, and Loriano. He says we don't have to touch on them all, but he just if you could rank a few of those. Yeah. It's a deep, deep list for sure. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what your league yeah. is, like average versus, you know, that's a really critical piece of that. that, that but what do you need? Because like some of these guys are pure power bats, some are speed, some are average. What do you need on your yeah. team? I mean, the thing that I would say is I don't really have interest in Nico Horner because he doesn't hit home runs. Yep. He hits zero home runs. He's got no power. And it's going to be really bad, empty batting average slash stolen bases, which isn't like the worst thing in the world. But if you're in OBP, it's like virtually, you know, unplayable because that the batting average is really the the big carrying um, tool for him guy like Bobby Dahlbeck, who has actually shown some pretty yep. great strides. He kind of rises to the top for me in the list as I'm remembering it yep. um, because he does have swing and miss, but he also has great, he hits the ball hard. He's got a pretty good approach. Um, I think it's all pretty good um, from Dahlbeck. And I haven't, I haven't done a deep dive, but he's also still pretty young. Yep. You know, his, and, the improvements look much more legit than we've seen before from him. Like he looks yeah. real good right now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm enjoying having him on one of my teams for sure. Um, not the platooning piece of it, but like when you get him in the lineup and he hits like yeah. two home runs and seven RBIs or whatever. Um, but Dahlbeck, um, you know, Jimenez is the most interesting of those smaller guys, I would say, because I do think there's like a little bit of a, power speed potential and there's elite defense there. Um, Ahmed Rosario is still very young as well, and he's proved to be really good. But again, that's more in an average than an OBP league, I would say. So those two guys kind of stand out, you know, Madrigal, not really. I mean, Hira, I just. No, not I anymore. Know. I don't know about Hira. <laughs> I know. it's Loriano's interesting. If he could ever stay healthy. Was Ramon Laureano on there? Yeah. If he yeah, could ever stay healthy, he'd be right up there with Dahlback for me. But, man, he just can't stay healthy. But I'd, he I'd, I'd give it a try again for next year because when he's healthy, he's a monster. It's going to be cheap next year. Um, yep. 
Yeah, and I mean, the thing about Loriano, I think he's, what is he, 27, 28? He's, so young he's still too. relatively yeah. young. Yeah, so I'd have him up there as well. So hopefully that's helpful. I don't know about ranking them. It's just hard to do without knowing for sure what the settings are, but hopefully that gives like a sense of who, who might be interested in anything and who might not be. Another fun tongue-in-cheek question for you from Michael Simeone. Do you think Vlad will DM you after the season, letting you know he did it for you? You know, if I had any anything to do with Vlad's success this year, then I feel like it was worth it, like everything was worth it. I love it. I love it. I long for Vlad Jr.'s success. <laughs> You're such a team player. I appreciate it. Um, the Almanator asks, I'm wearing my Blue Jays hat for those of you listening to the yes. podcast today. You know, the one thing that I'm really scared of is, you know, like how do I how do I play this last couple weeks with Vlad Jr.? Like when it's his last home run, like, you know, like at what point am I like, is this the last home run that he hits? You know, like I don't think that's already happened. But Why are you trying to save a special gift for the last home run? I'm not trying to save anything special, but I do feel like there's a need for some sort of finality, which I haven't haven't really considered or or thought of um some people only know me as like the vlad jr the guy who is really wrong is on vlad jr so i'm just gonna have to think about it for a little bit and like i don't know how i handle it that's Um, funny it's gonna be intense yeah it's gonna be something that's for sure so i'll have to see how that plays out uh indeed the Almanator asks, Sandy Alcantara, top 10, top 15, top 20, heading into next season, should we believe? I would say top 20 for sure, potentially top 15, and yes, believe. Like I was, I think we both were pretty much believing in him going into the season. It was more of a could he strike guys out and like kind of the sinker situation. How did that work? Well, a lot more fastballs throwing 100-plus miles an hour from time to time. We always knew he was an innings eater. Uh, I know one of my bold predictions was the uh, Marlins having the best pitching staff in the a- in the NL East. We'll have to go break that down. But with all the injuries they had, they think they're still not far off, unfortunately, which is crazy. But big reason, Sandy Alcantara. The dude's a monster. So I think he's legit. That's my thoughts. What about you? Yeah, I, I think Sandy's an absolute monster. I mean, he is everything you want, I think. I mean, we now have four consecutive years of suppressed, relatively suppressed Babbitts. I mean, his, his, his um, Babbitt for his whole career is 269. So right around where you want to be. He doesn't walk guys. He get chases on pitches outside the zone. He gets swinging strikes. Um, he doesn't give up home runs. Like he's only once given up more than one home run per nine. So he doesn't walk guys. He doesn't give up home runs. He just gives up Babbitts. The thing that is suppressing his value is that he's, on the Marlins and he has nine wins. I mean, this is a guy who's going to throw 200. He's got two more starts this year. So he's going to throw 206 innings about 206, 207 innings of incredibly quality baseball. And he's going to have nine wins to show for it. I mean, how many times has he gone nine innings this year? Mm-hmm. It's at least two that he's gone nine, given up one run and gotten a no decision. You know, and and I don't know if that's going to change next year for the Marlins. I mean, that's the thing. But those ratios are beautiful. He's beautiful. Um, everything about Sandy, I love. Uh, and he's gotten better this year. I mean, he's been absolutely lights out. I'm actually going to see right now if there's been anything in particular. Like, let's check, check out his last 10. 
He had, he, I mean, literally he had like three bad starts all season long. Um, so yeah, so his in-zone contact is down over the last 10. The O-swing's up close to 39%. His K-rate is 29.4% over his last 10 people. Yep. His swinging strike rate is 15.2%. His walk rate is 4.1%. I don't know what more the man can do. His sinker is at 90, averages 98. Just velo through the roof. What's he doing to get these more? He's dipped his sinker usage. Interesting. Is he yep. throwing his four-seam fastball? He's throwing his gas. He's throwing that four-seam fastball at 98.3, yep. and he's throwing it more. Oh, man, he's throwing it more. And then he's got the change-up, which is nasty, which he can throw to lefties. You know, and then he's got the slider, which he can throw to righties. And he's just been throwing it more and more and more. I mean, people, Sandy, third round next year, baby. I mean, that's what we're talking about. And he's incredibly good. He's incredibly good. Yeah, I don't uh, don't disagree with that one at all. Uh, big fan of Sandy Alcantara. Another question we have here from Lucas J. Beery, Lucas Beery 33. In early November or December, DCs, name a starting pitcher or two that could be had for very late that could provide some value. Anybody that you have circled, maybe Eric Fede by chance? Eric Fede. Um, you know, Fede, let's actually do, let's do, let's do something right now. Um, so if you want to answer it uh, right now, go ahead. I'm just going to do a quick just little look at like the last 30 games. To see if there's um, been anybody who's like a surprise that kind of stands out. For me, what I would kind of think to keep in the back of my mind would be similar to what we did this last year. You had like the Royals pitchers and some of these other guys that came late. I think the Rangers have a handful of them with Alexi or Otto or some of these guys that might figure it out to the next level. So I think they could be quite intriguing. Hearn, like we talked about him earlier. Or you could go to um, Colorado with the Freelands and the Sensatellas who seem to have figured something out pitching at home there and they will especially since they'll be free they'll be free in your drafts so those are guys that uh you you could get the best of both worlds because you don't have to start them all the time so that's a beautiful thing and then um the last one i'll mention because i'm just waiting for them to start him regularly this is another texas guy if dane dunning ever becomes a real starter that guy is a ridiculously good pitcher even when he's had his chances and he'll go for free too so another texas guy i'd pay attention to that texas rotation and how you think things shake out you'll get one or two that comes out of there. Like think Danny Duffy before Danny Duffy got hurt this past year and stuff like that, where no one wanted them. Texas feels like they're one of those rotations that might have a, a couple guys that kind of show up and uh, make some magic happen. That's my two cents for now on September 21st. Hmm. Yeah. Um, those are good calls. Uh, Fetty, uh, Jesus Lazardo. I don't know how late he's going to go. Yeah. You know, I'm sure he'll get like a little bit of hype, but um, he's a guy who I think should probably be, be moving up. Um, uh, let's see. I'm just looking for names that don't like necessarily jump. Yeah, out. it's like you almost have to go roster by roster and kind of get a feel for it. It's not yeah. super super obvious right now. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing anybody who's like super jumping out. But I, I'm very interested in some like, you know, uh, there's a lot of really good pitchers. I think Logan Gilbert is super good. He's Joe Ryan. Late, late Joe Ryan pitcher. should be good. Joe Ryan, like Logan Gilbert, I think is a very good pitcher. And I don't know whether his draft costs. I think there's like this idea that he's somehow been a failure. 
Um, and I don't think the skills bear that out at all. Um, I think that like Dylan Cease, I'm interested to see where he ends up because I feel like he's been incredibly good. He's been unlucky, but people see him as like inconsistent and frustrating, even though I think there's just a lot of goodness there. Um, you know, so he's not going to go late, but I think maybe undervalued slightly. Um, yeah, that, that's about all I have for right now. I will really need to dive in. By the way, I mean, we haven't talked that much about Eric Lauer, but oh boy, amazing. It's all, it's all happening. Yeah, he's in, he's in so many just, of my lineups this week. So many of them. Dude, he's, his ERA is 3 1 6. His whip is like 1 1 4 or something like that. Like, just so good. One one last guy just off the top of my head. There's probably many more. If they extend him like they should, because he was extended to the minors, they never used him in the bigs for it. Tanner Houck would be a guy I'd be willing to take a chance mm, on late. Yeah, yeah, that's really. Good I, I love what he does. Even in the short spurts he gets, he's outstanding. If they ever let him start going five or six like he was doing in the minors, that could be a guy like just you know in those DCs you just need like those strikeout guys once in a while and stuff. Like he mm-hmm. will get you that all the time. Like he's a, I think he's a fun one to target later as well. Even. Heck, even if they use him like this, he comes into play in DCs from time to time with all the injuries. You can throw him out there for a couple, like two to three inning stints a week. Like that's not that bad, actually. So Tanner yeah. Howe could be a guy I think of as well. Bailey Ober. Yeah, no, Bailey okay. Ober. We saw some little stints out of him that looked pretty promising if they ever yeah. let that thing go. So I'm with you. Like that's one of those that if we dug in, like if we just went through roster resource, we could probably pick up like 10 real quick. Oh, yeah, it just takes a few sure. more minutes because you can't just scroll through like the stats because they won't stand out as much there, unfortunately. Uh, Richard Sands asks, you guys both did a lot of early drafts, January, February, et cetera. What did you learn from the experience in retrospect? What lessons can you share? So what did you learn from those early drafts for this season? I'm really, 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 really bad at choosing closers. (laughs) Draft closers earlier. People, draft closers earlier. No, um... I think the challenge with the, well, I think number one is the guys who are, who are not signed are such discounts. Like we yep. always worry about where Big they're going to sign and da, 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 da. They always sign places, you know, they always sign places. They always play, take advantage of that discount because there's so many guys where it's just like closers where they just jumped up like a hundred picks immediately when they signed. And it's like, those guys end up being closers somewhere, you know, like they just end up there. And it doesn't always work out, but I think those are a couple ones. I think um, more pitching, actually. I mean, how many? Just there's been so many times where I just don't have pitchers to throw, or it's like mediocre reliever. On you know, it's like how many times can you throw Anthony Bass in a DC? Um, so I think those. I'm actually, I really want to wait to start drafting. I know I'm going to get sucked in, but I my teams are always much better when I draft them closer to the season when there's more certainty. Um, like right now, like I have DCs one through 12 and all in chronological order and I'm winning 10 and 11 and then DC three, I'm also in first place now. And it's like, you know, and then I think I'm like fourth in DC 12 or something like that. And that's all bad luck. And it's, so it's just like when when there's certainty, I'm much better. I'm much better when there's certainty. All that like mumbo, like all that stuff about like oh, I'm gonna take advantage of the market. It doesn't get it. nah. It's not for me. I need to wait. 
Yeah. My biggest thing is, and I think here I was talking to it, might have been with you or someone, maybe multiple people. Um, the one really noticeable thing is my draft results got better the closer to the season because the more we learned from like a people signing or hey, there's actually a window I like. That's one reason why we do a lot of those best balls and early drafts is to get a feel of the player pool. So I'd say that's the best thing for it. So like I don't do a ton of DCs, but the NFBC 50s were outstanding because it got you used to the player pool, got you used to the format of NFBC if you're not used to it, all those kind of things where like if you're on fan tracks, which is best ball, kind of got me used to things, but different scoring where the NFBC 50s is basically a cheaper DC. So you're getting the same scoring. You're getting the same everything basically. Really gets you locked in there. And I think the biggest thing that I, I got out of that was where I can feel comfortable taking pitching. And that's what it is because the value on bats, I think you can find pretty much anywhere you want. And um, when we look back at like even this early mock draft that I was participating in, pitching's all over the freaking board already. So it's going to take a lot of early drafting to get comfortable on where I want to take pitching. And um, I think that's the biggest lesson I learned going that route and not necessarily needing to take two pitchers right out the gate. That's one thing that I learned for sure. Like pocket aces. It's more like pocket out of like the first four pick aces. <laughs> that's that's more where, where things look uh, right now. That, that, I think that's more of where I gained something in the early drafts um, for the most part. Also, don't take as many stupid chances because you need all the players you can get at the end. <laughs> yeah, you really do. It's That'd be one thing because like it's so much fun at the end going, I'm going to take this prospect that might get called up someday or I'm going to take this guy like, like – I think I have like one or two, like an early, early drafts, one or two spots of people that never even saw the big league this year. Now, like that adds up in the end. You don't think it does, but it adds up in the end in a big way. So that would be the other thing I would say. All right. Uh, last question we got here from Dave Petroziello. He says, obviously, we need to see what the teams do in the offseason. But do you think Romano, Gallegos, and Classe will be worth or be with the closers we see as just about sure things in March. I think they should be. I would say right now, if they're in that same role come March draft season, I would say you're pretty close to correct. Toronto, um, I believe they're getting another closer back off the IL, which will be interesting to watch. But Class A should be the guy, unless cheap Cleveland goes cheap Cleveland. And Gallegos would be my biggest concern because they move things around over there all the time. But uh, for the most part, I think I can agree with what Dave's trying to say at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're all, all, I think they're all great. I think class A has been a huge surprise to me. Um, and the control has been fantastic for him. So him, Gallegos has always been super good. I mean, he's always been the best reliever in that bullpen and now he has the opportunity and what a great situation it is. It's just, you know, a great ballpark to be in a great division to pitch in all of that stuff. I mean, Gallegos will be super high up there for me, um, heading into next year. And then, um, yeah, with Romano, I mean, he's been really great and he's earned it. And I think it's hard when guys earn it to give it away. Yeah. I think it's hard when guys have really earned it, when they've been above and beyond. I mean, I mean, Reyes was good for that period of time and then he was bad and Gallego saved that bullpen at a really critical time. And he's always been so good. It's hard to take him out of that spot. You know, Classe, like how exactly do you explain that? You know, like to... Like he's just been dominant and he's everything that Cleveland needed. And even though they haven't been that good, like he's it. And Romano has been the only thing in that bullpen that has worked. Yep. So I just think it's really hard for them to move away from that. That doesn't mean that they can't, but yep. I feel pretty confident that they'll be there in the spring. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's like if, if everything's sitting right now or come this spring, then yes, they should be the guys. Gallegos is, like I said, my only concern because 
they still have a lot of moving parts back there, and it's the freaking Cardinals that'll do weird things like, oh, wait, we want them in the seventh or eighth because it's a roll thing, which in reality, that's the right baseball move, most likely. But for us, that really stings. So that'd be my only concern with that because that's what we saw early on. He wasn't the main man because they wanted to use him elsewhere. So uh, we'll see. But I'm a huge Romano fan, so I hope that sticks around as well. But, Toby, that'll do it. The penultimate episode of the um, end of the season, wrapping up. Obviously, we'll be in the offseason talking to you guys. We're not just leaving because the season's over. But uh, this was the second-to-last episode for the regular season. Final thoughts as we will be back after the last fab period has run. Wow. It's been a hell of a ride, Bubba. It's been a hell of a ride. We're approaching episode 100 Yep. Um, of the podcast together. So seems fitting that that's happening at the end of this year. It's been a long year. It's been a rough year. It's been a tough year for a variety of different reasons. And we're almost there. So best of luck to everybody in this last, you know, it's one of the things is there's going to be some people who win their leagues on the last day of the season. And there's going to yep. be people who are going to lose their leagues on the last day of the season. There's going to be people who cash on the last day of the season. There's going to be people who don't cash you know, at the last hit of the season. And those are the breaks. So you just try to do everything in your power to put them, put your teams in the right situation and and let it go. It's always very freeing, that last set, that last, you set those lineups on Fridays for the week, that last weekend and lock hits and there's nothing you can do. Yep. All you can do is just watch and enjoy that last Sunday game, man, that last Sunday game when they all play at the same time yep. and it's just so much riding on it and you're just pins and needles. So enjoy this last little bit. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's one of those, like it's frustrating right now watching certain teams kind of fall and there's like nothing you can really do. You're sitting there just going, I busted my butt for five and a half months. And like Jenny Butler tweeted it. And like, I'm like, I know exactly what you're saying. I check my standings at the end of every night and there's one league where it's just like, I, I don't know. I it's like Charlie Sheen in Major League where the Jake Jake walks into the bedroom and goes and he just goes, I didn't know. Like I, I have no no. I have no idea. It's just happening now. I've locked everything I could lock in. This is where it is. The cards are down. Let's figure it out. One more fab period to go where you have money available. Set your best lineups and uh cross your fingers. That's the best I could say because you've you've done you've done everything you can this time. Like we had a question, I think, a couple weeks ago is like I did my most prep this year, I had my best drafts, it just didn't work out. Sometimes that's the way it goes. Like you said, some people are going to win. Some people are going to lose. doesn't mean you're a bad player. It really doesn't. Like you, baseball is such a long, ridiculous season. Like there are elite players, like the Vlads of the world and stuff. We get it. Like there's some really good players like Toby. But there's also there's also guys that are like, you could be really good and just, you just miss. Like it happens. So just keep grinding. Keep having fun. That's the biggest thing. Have fun. It's supposed to be fun. So have fun. If you're not having fun, Go pick a new hobby. That's my biggest suggestion because all the stress and all the sleepless nights, it, it better be fun at least. We might do sense on this one. So uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. Hopefully uh, the week after we'll be celebrating some championships or at least some cashing because uh, some of our teams, like we talked earlier in the year, Toby, weren't starting out good, but I know they're grinding back. So let's get some money. Let's have some fun. Check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm Matt Bediantrick. This was Bubba and the BatFlip episode 97. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>